Well, hello and greetings. This is Stuart Haynes, and welcome to the iFormerX podcast. You may have noticed that the intro music is a bit different from our normal tune, and that's because we're hosting a podcast series in conjunction with the American College of Clinical Pharmacists Ambulatory Care Practice and Research Network, affectionately called the AmCare PRN. And this is our fourth episode in this series. Today's episode is a discussion about how to integrate population health services into ambulatory care practice. Over the past decade, there's been increasing emphasis on managing populations of patients rather than focusing on the needs of individual patients. And many ambulatory care pharmacists are spending a significant portion of their efforts designing population-level interventions that align with specific needs of the people in their community and their institutional priorities. The ACCP AmCare PRN has invited a few pop health pharmacy superstars to join me today. So I'm delighted to welcome our panel of experts for today's podcast episode. Dr. Shante Chamberlain, Dr. Ryan Wargo, and Dr. Rochelle Rubin. Dr. Chamberlain is a professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Tennessee Graduate School of Medicine, and she has an active clinical practice at University Family Physicians in Knoxville, Tennessee. And Dr. Rubin is the Director of Clinical Ambulatory Pharmacy Services at Beth Israel AE Health, which provides a variety of healthcare services, including primary care in the greater Boston region. And Dr. Wargo is the Manager of Ambulatory Pharmacy Services at Legacy Health, which has many clinical service locations in and around Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington. And what I really love about Legacy Health, when I went on their website, I found they had several medication management clinics in their directory of services and locations, which is awesome. So, Shante, Rochelle, Ryan, welcome to the iFormerX podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stuart. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, I'm wondering if each of you can tell us the difference between individual patient care services and population health services. I realize there's a significant overlap because, well, care is obviously delivered to individual patients, but what are some of the key tasks that you perform when you're wearing your population health pharmacist hat? Sure. You know, in in population health, there's a greater emphasis on management of health outcomes in populations rather than that of just the individual patient, really focusing our efforts to improve quality and ultimately decrease costs to not only that patient, but also the health system. Population health refers to the infrastructure that really enables us to develop programs and employ a variety of interventions aimed at slowing disease progression improving health outcomes, and again, decreasing the total cost of care. To me, wearing the pop health hat is really a way to identify our targets to reach the patients that will make the most impact to improve quality and reduce overall costs. So for our ambulatory care pharmacy team, we are the ones implementing that intervention. We take our system population health goals or risk payer contract goals and look at that population to come up with a list of patients where we can offer our services. Once the patient is enrolled in our practice, we provide the same services we would for any patient referred for individual management. 
It is just where we want to focus our efforts. When I think about population health, I think about it being more proactive, proactively providing care for a population of patients that we've developed systems as far as clinical decision support tools or overall clinic processes for our quality group. So aligning the priorities of the health system with the needs of the community is key when establishing services. So how do you approach identifying the needs of the community and how do you ensure that your organizational priorities are indeed aligned with community needs? At BILH, we take our cues from our system goals. We have a performance network, which is our population health arm of the overall organization. And they have a pharmacy team, a director of pharmacy and multiple pharmacists. And the performance network communicates system-wide population health goals to the rest of the organization, in particular, the ambulatory pharmacy team knowing that we are the ones that can implement many of these interventions. For the past few years, these goals have centered around blood pressure and blood sugar control. And this year, they've added heart failure guideline-directed medication therapy. And those are particularly coming from many of our risk contract patient populations. So our ambulatory pharmacists all report through a central pharmacy organization. And that allows us to look at the system as a whole and see how we can best implement projects throughout this health system to meet these goals. We ensure every ambulatory pharmacist is in a, that's in a role appropriate to contribute to these goals is included in the updated population health discussions at the start of every year, and we are setting them up in their clinics to reach that target patient population. We utilize the interaction with the pharmacy team embedded in the clinics and that performance network to facilitate those connections. So we interact with those embedded within a particular clinic to make sure that we're in line with that clinic's goals and how they're operationalizing these system-wide goals within each individual practice. At University Family Physicians, we're lucky enough to have a quality director who is also the medical director of clinical integration for University Health Network. University Health Network is comprised of our health system and physician practices, both employed and private. There are uh, a group of pharmacists that participate across many practices Together, we've identified key areas that not only were important for our practice, but our health system or network as a whole. And then we jointly identified as these as being areas that our clinical pharmacist team could have an impact and work at the top of their training in order to provide care for patients. Additionally, as a residency practice, we recognize that not only is it important to identify key goals for us and important values, but we also are working with residents and team members in order to teach our residents that this really is the way to practice and the way of the future and ensuring that they know how to ultimately implement this into their future practices in order to optimize care and ultimately leverage share savings in whatever practice they choose to, to be in in the future. When identifying populations to target, looking at the most prevalent or, or costly or impactful illnesses within the U.S., such as diabetes, cardiovascular disease, heart failure. I think those are are great areas to build services are going to be applicable most anywhere, but certainly going to be worth looking for those niche issues that are pertinent to the population at your local institution that are driving admissions or hospitalizations. When it comes to gathering information and feedback from key stakeholders, identifying those stakeholders as you develop and, and or modify your scope of services is certainly going to be key to your success. State scope of practice is also going to steer things a bit. 
but looking at various stakeholders to get involved, what will help make the program that you're developing or designing or, or modifying a huge success. From a program structure standpoint, you're, you're going to want clinic level leadership and physician leadership support. For, for longitudinal success, it's going to be vital to have informatics and analytics support to help with patient identification, as well as dashboard development to track progress. It's also going to be important to ensure that you're following any legal or regulatory requirements. So, so having involvement from your, your legal or billing compliance teams, as well as revenue cycle, are going to be key. And then I think lastly, really knowing your organization's mission and values should help you as you crosswalk organizational priorities and those community needs. Putting your organizational values into action with any services you are developing really go a long way in that stakeholder buy-in. So what patient populations are your services targeting today? How do you identify these patients and what's the process for enrolling them? and your services. Right now, we are primarily focused on metrics surrounding diabetes control, so blood sugar control, medication adherence. We've also chosen to pick up over the past year, focusing on heart failure management and completion of wellness visits and preventive care. These are identified primarily through the use of reports and data from our university health network which makes it very nice to have access to those reports and the information we really need as pharmacists to identify and enroll those patients. As far as tracking, we utilize reports to follow up on whether or not patients have engaged with us. Yeah, at Legacy Health, we have a mixed fee-for-service and, and value-based approach with, with pharmacists both being embedded in primary care as well as some specialty clinics also having hospital-based medication management clinics, but then having a core team of population health pharmacists. And historically, our population health team was, was primarily focused on managing patients that are enrolled into what we call our care support resource programs, in which patients are identified using a, a data-driven predictive model that, that really identifies members that are at risk for emergency department utilization or, or hospitalization, high healthcare cost utilization that can be impacted by improved medication management and, and health behavioral change. So patients also must have at least one of the following conditions, whether that be asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or, or CAD, diabetes, or heart failure. Um, additionally, we, we utilize a, a navigator to help with program enrollment and to help set up visits with our multidisciplinary team that includes nurse case management, health coaches, and of course, the pharmacists. As our organization moves toward more of a value-based uh, structure and our covered lives grow, our pharmacists are more involved with strategies aimed at improving quality measure performance metrics that are attached to HEDIS, for example. Additionally, really try to enhance our ability to collaborate with our pharmacists that are embedded within the clinics, and, and our population health team helps to coordinate with those clinic-based pharmacists. At BILH, we have a team of about 35 pharmacists right now, and those that are involved in the population health initiatives are our primary care pharmacists. They focus on chronic disease management within diabetes, hypertension, CHF obesity, many other disease states. Our latest initiative is a large effort to address our cardiometabolic patients, looking to increase our evidence-based medicine use in our diabetes or high-risk ASCVD patients 
through our cardiology and primary care sites. In particular, this initiative is focusing on reducing our care gaps and health disparities. So we are targeting our Black, Latinx, and Asian populations with diabetes and or hypertension. So we utilize our population health list that our performance network sends us. And these are often based on the risk contracts or the system goals that have been established. These lists can be drilled down to each individual clinic, and the performance network pharmacy team will work directly with the pharmacist embedded in a given practice to send them their patient list. That pharmacist within the clinic will review the patients and contact the PCP to let them know that the patient would benefit from the pharmacist's intervention, pend a referral for the provider to sign, and then the patient's scheduled to see the pharmacist just like any other referral from a provider. We have a lot of clinics where we don't have an embedded pharmacist. So for those practices, the performance network pharmacist will reach out directly to a provider, leave a recommendation within the medical record, and give some guidance and support for the providers to help close some of these care gaps. So one of the goals of population health is to maximize revenue for the health system and achieve high ratings on quality metrics. However, it it can be challenging to determine which metrics pharmacy, that includes the work of pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, can have the greatest impact on. So which quality metrics do your services focus on and why were those metrics chosen? I think looking at the the quadruple aim actually is is a great guide for metric tracking as a as a framework and why we chose the metrics we've looked at. Focus on on clinical metrics specifically A one C blood pressure control lipid tr- control as they're pertinent to the, the disease and comorbidities that we are most commonly managing within our populations. Uh, from a more of a financial perspective, looking at our impact on HEDIS star ratings, as well as the total cost of care via both medical and pharmacy spend for our covered lives. And then from more of a humanistic perspective, it's, it's really vital to receive patient and provider satisfaction. This is always a challenge, and I wish I had a better answer and we had the perfect way of reporting metrics. But what we have done is what we've come up with over many years to figure out how to report the metrics that we are required to and those that are most impactful. So we can identify patients seen by a pharmacist and track metrics for those patients. And we track all the metrics that are listed in our collaborative practice agreements. Contractually, we have to report out those metrics every other year to our reporting body, and that's our P&T committee. So we built ways within our EMR to collect this information within every encounter for the patient so that we can pull the right reports. These metrics for the last few years have aligned with our system goals and we can show our overall contribution, but not specifically to that population that was looked at from the population health perspective. This is a challenge at the highest level, which is not always the most efficient level we look at. Are we meeting the quality metrics for the targets for those disease states that pharmacy is involved in? As you know, there's a lot of factors going into those targets that don't align with what pharmacy has provided for that patient. So there are so many working parts that it isn't just pharmacy's involvement in that patient's care. At a different level, focused on pharmacy, we really do take a look at each individual patient that a pharmacist has provided care for, been involved with, been consulted on in order to 
look at measures not only affecting metrics, but just individual measures as far as did the A1C move or improve? Did the blood pressure improve? Are they more likely to engage with our office and provide us information that helps us care for that patient? Let's talk a little bit about tracking. What's your institution's method of tracking the work of clinical pharmacists and their contributions to your population health initiatives? And why did you decide to, to use that form of tracking, that mechanism for tracking? Our tracking is mostly embedded in the EMR. I am adamant that pharmacists should not be double documenting, and we don't want a separate system where we track our metrics outside of the EMR. So we have built reporting into the regular workflow. We did build a custom flow sheet in Epic for pharmacists to complete within each encounter that will collect the information necessary for us to run our reports. And then we can run the customized report based off this flow sheet. So we don't ask them to record in this extra flow sheet what the blood pressure was today because that's already recorded in the vital section. We ask them to record what the goal blood pressure is, because that may differ in different patients. And then once we've recorded that goal blood pressure, the reporting can compare the most recent blood pressure to that goal blood pressure and give us how many patients are at our goal. But once we've established these are the metrics and these are the pieces of data that we want pulled, we can use these reports to do our analysis. So they can give us the A1C before the first visit with the pharmacist, and the A1C most recent to the, the last visit with a pharmacist. And we can compare the change in A1C for that. We primarily track through our EMR, utilizing certain observation fields in order to run reports. And we're able to differentiate these reports by whether or not a pharmacist has participated in that patient's care. And we also utilize our university health network reports as far as tracking towards metrics and those types of things. Otherwise, we're able to look at individual data for each of our patients comparing before and after pharmacist involvement. This is this is an area that was one of our biggest challenges in the beginning and, and frankly continues to, to be an ongoing challenge. With limited analytics support, having to rely on external manually tracked Excel sheets is certainly a time-consuming task and, and often will take pharmacists away from work that would be at the top of their license. However, over, over time, we've been able to build some good foundational dashboards to, to track our work. Attribution of the work to the pharmacist versus that of the care team is, is certainly a big challenge, but we try to do this by utilizing our EHR's care team tracking function in conjunction with completed visits with the pharmacist. This, this helps to remove the risk of patients that may be lost to follow-up or, or simply never engage with the pharmacist and really try to capture really what, what we would call a paneled patient to the pharmacist. We, we have focused our, our tracking on, on clinical, financial, and humanistic metrics, as well as the time and type of work our pharmacists are spending during their daily operations. We make it standard process for our pharmacists to embed certain phrases into their notes that we can track through the AHR to identify what level of work they're doing. Oftentimes, pharmacists have added responsibilities not having dedicated support staff like maybe some of our physician colleagues might have, and, and we're forced to do more care coordination. That, that can be time-consuming. Last question. 
So to achieve an organization's quality metric targets, it takes a team approach. And while pharmacists certainly can have a significant impact, they they don't do the work in a silo. What other health professionals are on your population health team? And how do you delineate the role and responsibility of each team member in order to minimize overlap and, and duplication of effort? That's a great question. In our office, we've kind of taken the stance that everyone in the office is on the team. So from scheduling, billing, coding, front office staff, providers, nurses, every single person in the office has a role to play. We all have a responsibility to identify gaps in care, and you are the person, if you identify it, to get the wheels rolling to solve it. We spend time discussing these roles in our team meetings and our quarterly practice meetings so that everyone understands that no matter what you are as a team member, that you know who is best suited to kind of take the next step in resolving the care issue that you identify. Sometimes there is overlap, and we have found that that usually isn't a bad thing. But as long as everyone really understands what each person brings to the team, I think it helps to easily clarify some of that. Yeah, the, the the medical home model is is really central to everything we do, whether it be for our pharmacists embedded within the clinics or really our population health team. And this structure allows team members to work at the top of their license and share their expertise. Patients are assigned a nurse case manager to really quarterback that that patient along their health journey, but we involve health coaches, as well as the pharmacists to coordinate care for that patient. Our clinic-based staff collaborate with a variety of team members, all the way from our front office staff to behavioral health, social work, nurse case managers, resource specialists, as well as pharmacy technicians who, who help with refill and prior authorization assistance. And, and as far as role delineation, certainly there's going to always be a slight overlap with, with roles. Yes, it's super important that we work as a team. And I think everyone involved in healthcare will have that same reply that we can't do it in a silo. We have to work together. So our ambulatory pharmacists report through clinical pharmacy leadership, but they work very closely and are embedded in the practices where they see their patients. They work closely with providers, the physicians, the advanced practitioners, MAs, secretaries, care coordinators, navigators, you name it, everyone's on the team and we have to work together. Within our primary care clinics, some patients may see a physician, a nurse practitioner, and a pharmacist all on the same goal of managing their chronic diseases. And the key is that communication of the plan, usually in the referral itself or in the note from the provider. But in that referral, some providers will say that they're going to go ahead and start the patient on a medication and ask the pharmacist to follow up and titrate that. Other providers and clinics work more of a, the diabetes is out of control, go see pharmacy. And they just leave it up to the pharmacist to manage within our collaborative practice agreement. We make sure all of our pharmacist notes have a clear plan and often include the next steps or backup plan in that note so that when they see another provider in a couple weeks, everyone can see what we were trying to do with that patient. We also send our notes to the referring provider, supervising provider. Plus, we can send it to any other provider involved in their care, and we can send messages directly back and forth. We also work very closely with our specialty pharmacy liaisons, as we call them. They are our pharmacy technicians that work on prior authorization and our outpatient pharmacy operation teams. 
so we can help our patients get their medications easily. So all the medication shortages that have been going on have been a real burden, but it really helps when your ambulatory pharmacist can just message the outpatient pharmacy and say, hey, what does our supply of this particular GLP-1 look like to make sure the patient can get it? We also have our own population health specialist on our ambulatory pharmacy team. She's actually hired through the ambulatory pharmacy group, and she helps us enact a lot of these initiatives from that administrative and support side. She screens patients, contacts them for scheduling appointments, find new patients every month, evaluate our impact on these, and update our reporting. So she keeps us on task and accountable. One of my tenants is that pharmacists should be doing work that is specific to a pharmacist. So we need to make sure that we use our teams to set up the system in a way that protects the pharmacist's time for pharmacy responsibilities and have other colleagues in place to complete the technician work or the administrative work. It's not perfect, and our pharmacists often do a lot more administrative work than other providers within the healthcare team, but this is an area that we are continually looking to improve to make room for more pharmacist-specific tasks and help improve the quality of our patients' care. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. And I want to thank our panelists today, Shantae, Rochelle, and Ryan, for joining and sharing their experiences and their insights. And if you're not a member of the ACCP Ambulatory Care PRN, I encourage you to join with a very active email listserv, frequent CE programs, roundtable events, and tons of ambulatory care resources on their website, you're sure to get a lot of benefit if you become a member of the AmCare PRN. And as many of the iFormerX listeners know, the ACCP AmCare PRN has been really instrumental to our mission and the PRN leadership and members are among our most frequent contributors. So many thanks to the AmCare PRN for making this collaboration possible. Well, until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Music